They came from the four corners of America to defend our way of life, to boldly stand against the forces of darkness when the USA needed them most. Sadly, they didn't do a very good job of it. But hey, they can't all be winners, right? Burt McGonagall's The Tales of the Brotherhood of Ridiculous People starts now. Episode 10, Gladys Captured. Gladys Captured? Bum, bum, so what you're trying to tell me is that you found evidence of devil-worshipping Batwomen and that they're working for the Trump administration? I am telling you the truth, damn it. Why would I make up a story like that? I have no doubt you're telling me the truth, in the way you see it. The photographer said, as she and Walter climbed the steps of the log cabin. They stopped as they began to hear sounds of a woman crying inside. Walter opened the door and looked in. The photographer had her camera waiting. Help me! He's a maniac! What is all this? I thought you said she was a bat. She looks pretty normal to me. Damn it! She must have turned back. Or she was never a Batwoman to begin with. Get me out of these nets, please! The photographer started taking pictures anyway. Gladys had a sense that this woman did not have a straight moral compass. What? Do you believe me? Walter said curiously, wondering why the photographer seemed to be treating this as if it was still news. If you want news, you can come to me. Nope, but that doesn't matter for a paper. I'm going to get some snaps, pay you half of what I owe you, give this other woman the other half, pay for our art department to fix this up, and you will keep silent or I will call the police about this, okay? Hey! Don't take my picture. This guy's crazy. We're all a little crazy, lady. This is the National Enquirer we're talking about here. But I swear I'm going to get you out of this. Oh. The butt of Walter's rifle came crashing down on the photographer's head rendering her unconscious. You don't believe me, you'll share her fate, bitch. Gladys stared at the guy in horror as a torrent of blood came seeping from the head of the photographer. Jesus, Walter, I knew you were crazy, but this takes a whole fucking cake. There's your dinner. He said as he picked the woman up and put the woman to her head. Drink her blood, vampire Batwoman. Get away from me, doofus. I swear you're not gonna like what happens next. What happens next? You either will drink her blood, feed yourself, and allow me to take these pictures of you in your bat form, or I'll blow your brains out. Gladys looked at the blood coming from the woman. While the blood did smell appetizing to her, she was in no way going to cede his demands. But then... What do you say? Gladys began to cry, again. And after a few moments of agony, she stuck out her tongue and tasted her blood. There you go. Walter said, as he got some sort of pleasure in making Gladys drink the blood of a human being. She lapped away the photographer's wound until she felt her lightheadedness disappear. She stared daggers at Walter as blood dripped from her mouth. I swear if I get out of here, you're a fucking dead man.
Several hours later, Walter was snoring next to a roaring fire. Gladys had just stared daggers at him again. Nothing on her mind other than rage. She began to hear a commotion coming from next to her. The female photographer was regaining consciousness. Oh, my head. She had been bandaged up after Gladys had her fill of her blood. <laughs> How you feeling? Gladys asked, as if she really didn't care. What? Why am I in a cage? You need more iron in your diet, honey. Are you a vegetarian? I think you are. How did you... Did you drink my blood? It was kind of unavoidable. You could have got us both out of here if you had the chance. But no! You had to have questionable morals and stuff. Uh, are you really a Satan-worshipping Batwoman? Batwoman? Uh, I guess that's up to interpretation. Satan-worshipping? Uh, hell no. That's a fuck no. Can you get us out of here? Walter woke up. He still carried his rifle in his grip. Hey, you two. Shut the hell up. I'm trying to sleep. I'm abiding my time. I have friends that will. Not entirely sure they know where I am, but they're looking for me, and I know that. Back in San Antonio, there was a knock at the door of the home of Ricardo Jimenez. It took a few minutes before Ricardo answered the door and looked around to see no one there. Uh, okay. Okay, what the hell? He opened the door and looked around. No one was there. Really frustrating. Until he heard the sounds of squeaking coming from the porch. He looked down to see a furry creature carrying a white sign that said, Help. <sighs> Fuck me. This is the day it all comes home, huh? What are you, huh? Some wolverine? Or some beaver or some shit? The fuck is that racist? As if the little creature could understand, he squeaked something in defense. Ricardo shook his head. Look, pal, if you're trying to talk to me, I got nothing. I don't speak marsupial. The little guy pulled a marker out of nowhere and scribbled on the sign. Some of the letters were backwards, but it said, I'm Badger, Frank, Gladys, Rod, Trouble. Oh, fuck. Gladys is in trouble. I doubt it there. I write you deformed version of Lassie or whatever the fuck you are. Frank mouthed off once more to Ricardo. Ricardo held up his hands. Look, you, fine. You want, you want proof? I'll prove it. I'll call her. You'll go away. I'll forget I had this fucking fever dream. And I'll spend the rest of my day on the couch. Several moments passed as Ricardo hung up his phone in frustration. Fuck. Alright. Okay. Alright, I admit it. There might be something wrong. She always answers. God damn it. Alright, hold, hold the fuck on, alright? It doesn't mean that they're in trouble, okay? The government... The government... The government won't do a fucking thing! God fucking damn it! Alright, I'm going to DC and you're coming with me, you little shit! You squeak at me again, all fucking ornery like, and I'll stuff you in the goddamn trunk, you understand me? Ricardo walked outside. Changed quickly, got his keys off the hook, and began walking to his car, dialing another number on his phone. Frank squeaked inquisitively at Ricardo as the car doors closed and the engine jumped into life. The fuck does it look like I'm doing a calling on a favor to take care of our son Winston? 
this whole fucking government. Oh my god, this whole fucking thing. They're gonna owe me so big for this. I'm gonna buy a goddamn boat. Frank squeaked in a correcting way from the passenger seat. Ricardo didn't look at him as he held his phone and backed out of the driveway. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, I get it. All right, shut the fuck up. They're gonna owe us, all right? Jesus Christ, I'm talking to a fucking badger. This is my day now. This is my fucking day now. I woke up fine, but no, this is my day now. Hi, Mary. Hi, nah. Yeah, it's Ricardo. I'm calling in a quick favor if you can. But first, don't you just hate it when they cut to commercial at the most exciting part of the show? Don't worry, we're not gonna do that. We're too small for sponsors. Back to the show. Agent Philip Jenkins finally arrived at the Pentagon to his office. The other members of his crew were getting accustomed to their quarters. Jenkins sat down in his seat and put his hands on his face. The only respite he had for the past month was halted once more as Agent Mills knocked on his door. She peeked through his fingers. What do you want? Haven't you had enough of berating me? She didn't answer him, but just walked to his office and flipped the file folder onto his desk. I think you need to read this. Apparently, General McTaggart has been trying to contact you, but your phone situation was, you know. He opened the file and began to read. His face went ghostly white as he looked up at Mills. Did you read this? Every word. Not every day do you get a secret operative in your crew that is responsible for the death of 250 Taliban and Iraqi terrorists. Oh my god, I didn't know. No one did. His file was classified. If he was ever needed again, they would unfreeze him and use him again. Are... Are these... Are, are these the trigger words? Jelly baloney bag of monkey balls. Very rare combination of words. We cannot allow Ollie to know about this. I don't think he can, Agent Jenkins. I think that he was brainwashed to not remember the details of just what exactly he can do. But he's such a nice guy. This file makes him have to be like Freddy Krueger or something. That's not seems like the alley I know. As the situation triggered something in Agent Mills, she spoke up. Everyone has a dark side, sir. Even you. I know that full well, but now we are in a predicament where Gladys Hamilton is missing. And as a member of this task force, I need you to find her. Where are your recruits? <sighs> Willie and Vell are asleep. Billy Aykroyd is on a bender. I, I'm sorry? Didn't you get my tapes on him? Yes, but I haven't had a chance to listen to them yet. Well, Mr. Aykroyd does not control the ghosts that use his body and some of them are a bit rebellious and unruly. He has to stay awake to fight them off, or they inhabit him, and sometimes even that fails. Each ghost has a different ability of their own. He scribbled down a message onto a piece of letter paper. Take this to R&D. Uh, they should give you a device to bring back to me. I anticipated this. What does this device do? 
Oh, it's a spectral visor. It allows us to see ghosts around Mr. Aykroyd. It maybe influence the ghost's behavior. Is this for Billy to wear? Hell no. This is for the agent in charge in the field. You've already stated he can't control them. We need someone who can see them and decipher who jumps into his body with the anticipation of what might happen. Another knock came from Agent Jenkins' door. Both agents turned toward another agent. Excuse me, Agent Jenkins, but General George McTaggart wants to speak with you? <sighs> Tell him I'll call him back. No, Agent Jenkins. He, he's in the lobby. He looks like he's not pleased with the superhero division. Billy Aykroyd, the young man they call the medium, paced the room like a whirling dervish. Vel Cromwell, the Velcro man, woke up from his sleep. Willie the hobo seemed to sleep soundly. Man, it's 3 a.m. Don't you ever rest. Billy turned his attention to Vel and began to speak a million words a minute. Oh, hi, Vel. I'm glad you're up. You want to play a game? I was thinking we could jump some rope or play Parcheesi or charades. If you know how to play chess, we could play some speed. Dude, I'm about to knock you the fuck out. I'm sorry, Vel. I, I just can't sleep. Not while I have a bunch of spirits trying to get up in my body causing trouble. Oh, Lord. Please allow Agent Mills to give me my own room. I can't handle bunking up with Chip and Dale. This is fucking ridiculous. There was a knock on the door. Billy ran to the door and looked out of the peephole. I'm not sure who it is. Looks like a dude dressed up in a giant condom. He's obviously one of us. Let him in. Well, I can't let him in. I don't have the authorization code. They do so on purposely. I can't leave the room unless they come in and get me. Vel got up from his cot and walked to the door and punched in a code. He opened the door to see Rod standing there. <laughs> Greetings and salutations. My name is R R Rod. Hey, I'm Billy. And I am dead to the world, motherfucker. Do you know what time it is? Sorry, I, I heard commotion, so I thought I'd come say hi. Well, that guy is awake. Me and Willie over here are trying to sleep. Well, these look like a walking condom. Billy said from his cot as he curiously asked what Vel and Billy wondered. You're up now, too, huh? Willie feels tingly's coming from the candle. Phrasing! Willie! It's n n not what you th th think. I w wear this so I don't cause problems with my p powers. What can you do? Me and electricity don't get along. That's why I have to wear the suit. Another voice came up from behind Rod, a female one, and addressed everyone. She was dressed in all leather attire and half-mask over her lower part of her face. What do we have here? Guys, this is D -D -D Darla. She's a re-jet just like the rest of us. Vel crawled back to his cot and put the pillow over his face. I'm dead tired. Wilson, dead tired. You're actually dead. Mm, let me guess. I'm late for the circle jerk. Darla said, as everyone looked at her strangely. D -d 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 Darla! I don't think we've started a circle jerk. Hey, that's a band. I know that band. Ben, what is circle jerk? If I have to tell you, it's too long of a story. Darla Sultry looked at Rod, then back to Billy. 
Are you hunky guys gonna let us in or what? This hallway's getting chilly. They enter the room and close the door behind them. Still don't know what a circle jerk is. You've been listening to episode 10, Gladys Captured. In the cast you heard... Bert McGonagall, played by Robert Hunter. Maisie, played by Rachel Crosby. Walter the Hunter and Rod Stiles, played by Dan Mac McCloskey. Gladys Hamilton, played by Stacey Atwell. Ricardo Jimenez, played by Miguel Pedroza. Agent Philip Jenkins, played by Danny Atwell. Agent Allison Mills and Donna Somerville, played by Emily McAnulty. Billy Aykroyd, played by Max Hunter. Bell Cromwell, played by DJ Jesse Jess. And Willie the Hobo, played by Justin Gregory. Effects by Zapsplat.com. Dark Charm Media, copyright 2022. All rights reserved.